0: Right. Um, welcome to an extremely exciting episode of the Barbershop um, It's amazing for me to have this now happen in front of uh, a live audience And uh, today we have with us um, one of the most successful If not the most successful entrepreneur At least I have met in real life Okay uh, That's the way I would kind of put it Ruchi, thank you so much for taking the time and spending it with us Thanks uh, I remember I uh, remember interacting with you long back uh when you were my boss at mckinsey for like a period of three or four days when we were writing a proposal for one of your clients i don't know i don't think you remember but i do we were in the basement of the mckinsey office but at that time also i think uh one of the things that starkly stood out about you was your sense of just being extremely an extremely normal and humble human being i think um what you and Ashish have achieved, we'll talk at length about uh, off-business and oxizo uh, and very thrilled to be uh, someone who works with you on that front as well. Um, but it's very, well documented what a phenomenally successful journey you've had, right? Your name has now come up in, you know, DECACON and uh, highest net worth entrepreneurs and, you know, people just are in awe of you, including me. Um, and for all the right reasons. But what really is something i wanted to go deeper on today uh from your journey is from that time in 2011 when you know you were working with me on a proposal to starting a company to building out two extremely successful profitable businesses uh is the management of phenomenally high amount of success uh with just the grace and humility that you have so thank you for coming in and sharing but i wanted to start with that
1: no. Thank you, Shantanu. And uh, it's, it it's just make me feel so nice right now. So thank you for that. Uh and, and uh, if I look back to where we are today, I think everything is a process, right? And uh, what we see of off business and oxyzo, it's still in that journey that I think there's a lot to be done. Um yes, there is a lot written about us. There was a time that nothing was written about us as well. Right? And uh, Every process has its ups and downs, you know. There's a sine wave to everything. Right. Uh and if you can stay the same when you are at that part of a sine wave was and when you are at the lowest phase and that's how it equalizes. Right. Um uh, and uh for us as individuals, we believe we are representatives of, of business on oxyzo, so, right? and uh uh, for an entrepreneur or for any person who is actually needing any business. It's it's a matter of great pride that the name of the company actually defines you. It's it's like when you say, okay, many uh, of you have parents and your parents when your kids and parents like Hamara Roshan and you know, you, you want to be known by the name of your kids. So it, it's like that. You feel something and you get known by the company that, okay, the company is actually on the right trajectory, doing well, etc. And all the other things, whether you get quoted as a net worth, any quote of your yours comes, that doesn't give you happiness. What gives you happiness? Okay, the company is being talked about in a, a, you know, great spirit. People are looking up to it. Can it set an example? Can it set a benchmark? And for that, it's like your kid is doing well and you're getting known by the kid's own reputation. So I think uh, when the company becomes more important than you as individuals, a- and that is a sign which actually defines any of us as entrepreneurs. And I think if you believe in that, then it's it's never about you anymore, yeah. because you as individual, whether it's Ashish, myself, Bhuvan, Mukheten, Vasan anybody in the in the team, then we are representatives of that company, right? And we are the face of that company, and and that's what we represent.
0: That's a very interesting point, which I think very few people. Uh, are able to distinguish between individual and institution at a founder level, especially in the initial days, representing the institution becomes more important than representing the individual, which is very hard for founders to do because a lot of times it's the founders, irrational, disproportionate vision, that is actually driving the vision of the institution. You guys did you guys do that from the very beginning that the company is separate and company comes first and we define this institution with the principles that we want, like we believe it to be, uh, to take it forward. But we are now custodians of the institution and not the institution itself as founders.
1: Uh so Shantanu, if I like go back, because obviously most of us had worked extensively before we we started. And um and I, as I look at the not just the founding team, but the entire top team. Uh, at both of business and off CISO, I, I find that sense of honesty towards the profession or that sense of saying that we have to do the right thing by what we are supposed to do, right? Um, and, and that's why we, we are internally define something like company first. So everybody in their mind is thinking about how do we do the right thing by the company? And not the right thing by an, a particular individual. Okay, uh, th- there is no concept of a boss that okay someone is working to please an individual. Someone is working to say what is right for the institution. And because we individually also have been through that journey, that's something that's so ingrained that well, automatically you try to you know uh, you try to push that talent or you try to encourage that behavior that if this is a particular decision that needs to be made, then it has to be made keeping that company first thought process rather than an individual first attitude that, okay, what will Sayashi say to this or what will Ruchi say to this, what will one say to anybody for that matter. And I think uh, that is something that is core to what we do, how we are. And I think that is core to preserve also for the long term. And, and from that perspective, if I look, up, look at it, it's not that, that that was a motto that was defined on day one. It just, over time, it was like, okay, this is right for the company. This is the right thing to do in the long term. Okay, even if there is a midterm loss, there there is this is the right path. Correct. And automatically, I think within the third year or fourth year, we started to say this word. All of us started to say this word company first. Right. So, and that's something that if you were to tell me that what is that one thing that I would really, really want that we can preserve is this this value or this thought process that company first, company first than any, any individual.
0: For that matter. It's amazing though. I think when you start thinking company first, you start doing things that you guys have done, which is amazing. I think it sets such an example. I remember is telling about how every year you make sure that a 2%, one or 2% ESOP pool upside uh, is, you know, kind of you add to the ESOP pool, which in, involves dilution for everyone. But still that happens and then you make it very public and you're also very generous about not only allocating but also making sure that people recognize value from ownership of both off business and overseas. Where does that sensibility of sharing, making people successful, is that something you guys defined on day one or is it something that evolved like company first or does it come from personal value systems? that you and Ashish and the other founders kind of come with from your families and the work before. Because it's it's, again, it's unique, it's rare and um, it's something which you're very explicit about.
1: Uh, I think, uh, I actually will relate it to one of the conversations I was having in in one of the chats and they said, okay, how have things changed for you when you were at McKinsey? Obviously, McKinsey is an amazing institution, right? To how things are right now when you go to office, how do you think differently and and uh, the thing that clicked to me and is the fact that when I was at McKinsey or any any uh, you know institution, the thought process is very much about how good I am doing. Okay, what's my rating? How well did I do this on this particular project? Right? Uh, what uh, what do my juniors think about me when they actually evaluate me? And what do my seniors think about me? So it's 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 a lot about me. Yeah. Am I doing well, right? yeah. And then uh, when you are in the process of building something, it suddenly becomes about the saying that okay, how well is the company doing? Because when we we'll sit across you, the first question is how is business? How is business? Yeah. How is business, right? How is business? Business is what business is. What we collectively as people do, right? There is an idea, right? Sometimes we think entrepreneurship is like someone coming up with this great idea. Yeah. I think it's more about execution and who executes people. So suddenly your uh, your thought process becomes, okay, who are, the, who are the people who are doing ready when? How do we make them successful? So, um, I, I mean, for me, the biggest change from then to now, and it's not that, okay, I've sat down and thought through what it is. It suddenly becomes like, okay, these these people are doing amazingly well how do we give them more opportunities okay this person has already reached this level can we create more opportunities for them? and then success the definition of success becomes more in terms of saying that how successful are people around you or people you're working with because then it defines the success of institution and then that calibrates into your individual success but you've not started thinking okay my individual success it's just saying that okay great people, great job, let's make it together. And suddenly everybody gets to know, gets known for from that institution's name, right? So that, that That's what I would say. Also,
0: very unique, like, again, like, because human beings are wired to think individual, first, family, second, uh, company, third, society, fourth. Like you. That's usually how you would yeah. institute, we are tribal in nature that way, right? We are kind of, uh, you are herd animals. Yeah. That's why we tend to you know binge eat, because Good. we feel like we will not get the next meal for a while. So we satisfy ourselves first, then we satisfy people very close to us and then so on. That's just naturally how human beings do it. But in and you see that with you look at publicly listed large businesses, yeah. typically would not have a lot of indexation of ownership with uh mm-hmm. with the with the people. I think HDFC Bank would be one of the very few mm-hmm. uh examples of that but if you look at any of the 7000 listed companies we yeah. typically see that it's concentrated and that's it's natural for that to be the case Um, by I, I just I find it amazing and honestly it's really inspired what we do at Bombay Shaving Company in our own small way right yeah. which is make sure that you up the soft pool always make sure that you have explicit conversations yeah. with your people about how much wealth is there on the table for you yeah. Which is great by the way, so we have, we now have 23, 24 year old kids who, first job or maybe second job, yeah. uh, uh, come in and say, hey, Shantanu, in the performance evaluation time, right, uh, can I retire at Bombay Shaving Company? And I'm mm-hmm. like, but 23, <laughs> like, yeah, but I want to be able to, The like optionality of retirement is more important than retirement. So I'm like, cool, that's a very, it's, that's how the generation is thinking. I think it's a resource surplus generation in general yeah. and it's getting more and more so, but. Um, amazing to see as promoters or founders you guys are actually treating success as a byproduct of being generous not treating being generous as a result of being successful and they're two very different things
1: it's their right actually Chant. means that a, a founder does not create an institution it's 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 a group of people it's it's people who are are into creating something because they feel that they can identify with the institution and at some point, the institution will become their identity, right? And if you have that thought, uh, and you talked about individual, you talked about family and then profession, for for us, for me personally, and people say that, okay, you had a baby when you guys were starting up and all that, it's like, I didn't have one, I had two. two. That was, I was, I, I delivered. And at the same time, our business was a baby. And hence, people at our business are family. You way, know? And, and, um, and, and I, I'm not saying that we're not selfish. I, I am selfish because when we go to, at least when we go to office, that is the source of energy, right? I, you sit, uh, if you look at our office, it will be like, everybody has the same seating, right? It, it's open. Yeah, There, there are no cubicles. there's nothing. Why? It's not that we're doing something like uh, extraordinarily generous, the word you use. Yeah. It is essentially saying that that is what gives us energies as individuals. And that is what would actually push us to perform even better because then people are working so hard around. People are pushing their own boundaries to actually deliver to something. And we like be better do our jobs because we have our own cutout for each of us. It, it's not, our role is not to, you know, sit for just you know, and represent the company. Yeah, we have specific roles during our daytime work, yeah. and we better do it because we owe it to everybody who's sitting around on that floor. I mean, there would be times I said, as I said, there are sine waves, right? Yeah. If there are waves where you're at the top and the bottom, and and for me when I am at the rock bottom, because there would be times you would have a lot of stress and everything. I just sit, look up, and then you see so many people sitting, and so. Yeah.
0: What am I worried
1: about? Get back to work.
0: So, yeah. I wanted to talk about the baggage of success. Yeah. And we spoke about Louis Capaldi, right? Um, he said something very interesting. He did uh, one of the best performing songs last year. Mm. Uh was a 22, 23-year-old, uh, you know, someone who became, yeah. became big on social and then kind of got his own records and then was filling up uh, Wembley, right? So, he was like, a, like Ed Sheeran, Ibad, he was the, the next guy, right? Um, he basically said he loved making music. Have you guys heard of Lewis Kapaldi? You've heard of it, right? He loves making music. He's just one of those very naturally gifted musicians. He said, I just love making music before I was successful. Mm-hmm. But the moment I became extremely successful, the next time I went back to the studio to yeah. start creating my next album or my next song, yeah. I could never like any of the stuff I made because I just felt... That this is just not good enough. This will not be as successful as that. And I just stopped enjoying. And I started, uh, he actually started rejecting himself a lot. Needed to kind of get back on confidence and so on. And he just came out of this extreme success. Uh, I'm sure that happens to you guys where there is this fear of failure which is like thousand times worse because... You've been so successful over the last seven, eight years. Yeah. But talk about that a little bit. How do you manage success and still take risks? It's
1: actually So, firstly, I, I believe where we are standing right now, there is still a lot to do. right? Uh, and in part of the process, what seems as an external view, think success, in our minds, still we are on that journey to say there is a long way to it. And if you're tuned into the fact that there's a long way to go, then you're tuned to the fact that while in that process, you would actually make a lot of mistakes. Right? Uh, if in your mind you all have already benchmarked that you're successful and you've already reached that epitome or the uh, you know, the peak. the peak of Mount Everest, right? then it's like, okay, which more peak I have to go? Yeah. Then you have to find that next peak. Yes, uh, there are a lot of pressures which get added up as you grow, and I I would I would tend to uh, compare it with a life journey. When you are a kid, I always wanted to grow up very fast. You know, you grow very fast. Okay, I can do this. I become you know. You just feel that that's your calibration of being successful, successful or happy, or you know, you have the freedom to do whatever you want. It's become a little, you know, we start working, it's like, okay, you got into IT, you got into this, you got into that. And it's like, success, right? Yeah. What can be better, right? So if you define that what can be better and this is what can be better, this is the best, then you would always want to compare and say that, do I have an experience which is even better than that? Yeah. But if you are in the phase saying that everything is a part of the process, right? And success is... Just being honest to what you're supposed to do in that moment, then I think it keeps you going. If success is okay, the milestone this year is this, right? And um, and you achieve it or you get to there or plus minus 5%, then how quickly you shift gears to saying what is next? next. And, and, and internally, with, uh, Ashish actually coined this, which said on to next. So whenever we declare our, uh, okay, this is how the year ended, and so it's signs of saying on to next. So you are in the process. And if that process is this year, this moment, this is what we need to do. And in that moment, there will be ups and there will be downs. And and, and yes, success does come with the fact that everybody is kind of watching you. And I mean, in the initial three, four years, not much was said, not much was written. Uh, I think we had lot more, you know, you could flex yourself to make a lot more many mistakes, right? And today it will be like, okay, if you make this mistake, you don't know if like if I'm sitting across and we have this conversation, it goes live and one fine day I see some tweet which says Ruchi Kalra said so and so, right? Yeah. <laughs> a minor mistake of whatever I say could, yeah. or my what you would say, you yeah. experienced Dang. it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right? So uh, I think uh, that's the burden of success that uh, I think get evaluated a lot more. Externally scrutiny. scrutiny. I uh, think the thing is, how do you balance that you are not scrutinizing yourself? Really? That's an that I've thing. already reached this level. What's, you know, I, and if you're evaluating either in a good sense or a bad sense, then it it hurts the process in my mind.
0: Uh, I always wonder whether once you reach a certain point as a company or as a group of companies in your case, yes. uh, is, is perspective something we use to kind of reduce self-doubt? Because self-doubt is limiting and oftentimes debilitating in, in most cases. But the perspective of the fact that, okay, our history shows that we have been tremendously capable as a yeah. team and as an organization. Yeah. There is no need for self-doubt anymore. Or yeah. is it still as uh, prevalent as it used to be maybe seven, eight years back? For you guys. How do you, de- like, do, do, like, do you deal with ki Do you not do it or
1: so, Ashantra, two parts to it. One is the organization and one is you as an individual. Correct. As an organization, you cannot have self-doubt. Because then you are actually judging the other 99.9% people who are with you. Correct. You could be wrong in your strategy, you could have a doubt, but that's like, you could have a doubt in terms of whether this is the right thing to do or not. That's fine, that's part of conducting business. But once you are in it and saying, can of business do this, can off-season do it, that is unpardonable. You cannot. Why? Because you would have thought something and actually set the direction. Achieving that direction is full-on execution. Right? You might not, okay, you've set a target, maybe you cannot do it this year, maybe you can do it. That's a different thing. But the saying that, can we get there, is actually passing a judgment to a lot of other people. Now, when it comes to self-talk as an entrepreneur or as an individual, and everybody goes through those cycles, uh, and in that point, what works at least for me is that I can take out the me out of it, self out of it, and then say that uh, the implication for others are out. And I, I would, I would, um, I often share this. Um, used to share this in in my earlier part is that when, when people used to prep for interviews and all those things, and you know, McKinsey, we used to go to campus yeah. and all that. And some people would say, Okay, I sometimes I freeze in an interview. What do you do? What do you, what do you tips you suggest? I said, This once I froze in an interview, uh-huh. okay, it was this. Um, uh, a job interview or something. It was way long back, right? Camp, Campus, and then it's like I completely messed up the first one. and second one, I had to go, and I was like, went to washroom and this big mirror in front of, like nobody will come and make you know do this interview on your behalf. You yeah. can do it, yeah. and you better enjoy the interview because you might not get a chance to meet this person ever again. Right. And then went to the, but I, I had that interaction, and I. Honestly, in that, I just felt that when you free yourself of your own talking duck here, <laughs> it's, it was a great conversation. Yeah. Uh, it translated into a great outcome also. But the fact is that like, you have to just sometimes face yourself in the mirror saying that, you know, either you face yourself saying that nobody will come and actually you know, do it in your place, or the second thing that you do is you just look up to a lot of people around you and say that this is not about you. This is about a lot of people. So let's not get that self and become selfish at this point. You can have your low moments and you can just go and, you know, but it, it it has to be about others. That's the only way to get out of the self-doubt is to think about others around. You. I mean, that works sometimes.
0: That's incredible. You know, tell me about what it's like to um, be a co-founder with also your life partner hmm. and someone has interestingly entertaining as ashish Uh, i've i've rarely met someone like i've rarely met someone who is um uh you guys together are just phenomenal ashish is the co-founder of the also they're married with a beautiful daughter khushi um and also was at mckinsey uh before and i also has come on the barber shop before so there's a lot a lot of context to him but i've just you know uh, someone who kind of takes himself so lightly yeah. And at the same time was so full of gravitas yeah um and like for you I think it's very rare to see someone who combines exceptional like niceness and intellect so that that combination is amazing but I would love to know whether and a lot of people are founding companies with their spouses with yeah. their sibling with I, I might uh, someone who's whose co-founder is his mom yeah so they're kind of getting together and starting a food yeah. brand but tell me a little bit about the dynamics of the relationship we both are like very successful individually prior to your uh, founding journeys as well uh but very different people yeah um, so how does that work uh, is is it, again something you're taking your stride i'm sure i'm sure it's more challenging than that.
1: so um it's been a very interesting journey and i think uh over the last 7 years uh what i believe that's worked very well for us since the fact that
2: before
1: because we had seen each other in a professional setting in mckinsey as well did you work together the then? Ah, yes, yes. We met on a project. So, uh and uh, the fact is that how much mutual respect you have for each other, because uh, you have a thought process. You want things in a particular way. Your spouse would want things in a particular way because of the individual thought process. And when you are on a professional journey, you, uh, you, um, it is very natural to have a set way of doing things. right? Uh, and for us, because there is that mutual respect that, okay, in this area or that, that the, the work or the boundaries that we've drawn around ourselves, this, this is something that you can completely rely on for the other person. That helps. I think mean, mutual respect, trust in each other and actually working with your spouse or your sibling, or, it actually has a very big trust factor you know, a lot of people say, okay, how do you work with your spouse? You know, because, you know, because there could be some equation at home, at office and so on and so forth. But honestly, if you think about two founders, irrespective of the relationship, that it, there has to be that mutual trust. And you also have a co-founder, yeah. right? And, and you can say, okay, if he's done it, I am. I, I completely back it. Yeah. And there are a lot of founders who, who split up primarily because either the trust is not there or we're trying to infringe on the other person's territory.
2: Correct. If,
1: so it's it's not to do with the fact that you have a, a personal connect uh, in terms of a relationship. Yeah. It is about saying that do you value what the other person brings on the table irrespective of what your relationship is with that
0: person. Correct. Right.
1: And um, the best of friends can split apart. Brothers can split apart, right? Uh, if that mutual trust is not there. And you, and as and, and spouse, and not just that. I think all of us as the the founding team, there is that that appreciation that this person is great at this. Yeah. This is their space, and we'll just blindly go by what this person is doing in this space. Yes, we're always there. We are available whenever there's a joint discussion. Everybody will be, you know, part of that discussion. We are there to help each other, but we will never stand up and say, okay in this area you should do this but that's
0: your area. Right. So- i love how actually you're right i think kunal well and rohit that snapped here, i was listening to one of their interviews just today yeah and they they kind of like i think kunal phrased it very very nicely he said there's unshakable trust Yeah. unshakable trust and the trust is not because we agree with each other yeah. on all things in fact Did- in all cases we might disagree yeah our judgments might differ but we will never, ever believe that the intent of the other person is misplaced. Absolutely. So, collective alignment on intent solves for differences.
1: Absolutely, Absolutely Shantana. And I can talk about it myself because you, like this guy Rashi when I think about a decision that he's taking and, and if I have a different view, but I know that the intent is so aligned. Again, it goes back to company first. Again, it goes back to the fact in terms of my belief in his capability of his thought process and all that that it helps me see the other side of things so the intent and the respect of the experience that comes around and and we are very different people he can think big vision put it all together on my side it would be more in terms of building blocks together getting things around it right so and I think and and similarly if I have to think about one yeah exceptional in terms of How he gets people together, you know, you look at them and you like real, when you think about integrity, you think about how to, you know, be people first. And and it is true for everybody, right? And if you can see the great thing about each person, and I think McKinsey does this phenomenal thing in terms of saying that people could be different in terms of the MBTI types and so on and so forth, but there is a strength to each person. And if you can just, you know, get all those strengths together, it becomes a force multiplier.
0: What's been the most humbling moment of the last seven, eight, nine years of of business and up-season? Where was that moment where you felt, ki, okay, this is this is now becoming way bigger and I feel you feel humbled by the size of what you're doing? Was there a moment? Um would love for you to elaborate on that.
1: I think it was a phase for me uh, rather than a moment and... Uh, uh, it, it was the fact that we in our journey had actually, it's like you keep at it, keep at it. Right. Uh, there are moments wherein you're trying to explain what you do and a lot of people don't understand what you're trying to do. Right. And then uh, slowly, slowly you're chipping. It's
0: nice. uh, Sorry, but hold your thought. We yeah. did a lot in the initial few years. I don't like a lot of things that I remember actually saying that you pivot a lot. But I love how fast we we're able to do it.
1: Yeah, more than pivot. It's more about saying that we keep on doing these smaller experiments, uh-huh. and then when they don't work, we actually shut in down, saying that Good okay, day. right. So it, it's like a path that we have taken, and then we'll say okay, let's do small, small, you know,
0: tributaries uh, of that. Yes,
1: day. exactly. And then if it's not working, let's. Be, our focus remains as to what we're doing, and in fact, in the first year, yes, we did start a lot of things in terms of because we wanted to always. Say that how do we capture the full B two B ecosystem, along with saying transaction, along with saying different types of uh, categories to saying credit, to saying some uh, great SaaS products and so on so forth. Right. So that that idea was great in terms of saying how do you actually provide for everything. But then you have to sometimes try those smaller experiments, saying that okay, we tried several mistakes. chalega. In our system, Let's cut it down. Right. Very MRI items, let's cut it down. So I think like we cut those things faster in terms of some of the experiments that they, that we do. Uh, but yes, uh, uh, overall, saying that we stay on course and, and to your question in terms of saying that, what was that moment? So I think for a very long time, and then when we saw that uh, funding wave as well, and we're like, okay, Business, why don't we don't understand the rest what we are trying to do. It was like, okay, like, we can't be that bad in communicating. <laughs> ben, like, ben, McKinsey. Ben, McKinsey consultants, ben. right? But uh, C, Series B, Same Series on. B was pretty tough, right? And then slowly, Series C, then I like, it was like steps. And we knew that the business was doing well. right? Yeah. And uh, there used to be these discussions in terms of saying that, okay, you're focusing too much on turn. Wow. Uh, rather than are you focusing that much on growth, True. will you let go of a little bit of return for growth? Well, hot questions. Okay, That <laughs> happened? Right? And I think after a point, and then you have to make daily business decisions to, to say, okay, yeah, this will slow us down, but this is important, right? Whether it's in terms of saying, okay, compliance, process, you put the right building blocks at the right time. I'm not saying you have to do it from day one, but you have to do it along your journey. And then there was this entire phase wherein whether the valuation went up, whether the money started coming in the company, right? And people, started to feel that okay b2b itself is a space yeah Behle, we had to explain why are we actually doing this business for smes manufacturing and this infrastructure is here because um for the uninitiated it's not very you know easy to understand that this world is what makes india so it, it's like okay what 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 is the us comparable we, also, we don't have it <laughs> right and to a point where of business got synonymous with B2B yeah, and we, you know, heard people saying, okay, we are of business of XYZ country, yeah, right? And then you say that you define that, it becomes an adjective, yeah. it becomes a noun in itself, sorry. It, yeah. it becomes a noun that, okay, B2B is a, is a space yeah. and it can be made into a big business and that that phase for me uh, i i would say is uh, was very humbling to say that you actually define a vocabulary there yeah. or a niche and then we saw so many different companies coming together and people uh you know attempting it and we believe that india as an economy needs very india specific solutions Industrial. and uh, you know, going and meeting Businesses which are actually the corner store of India.
0: Absolutely. I think we we work with a lot of, for example, our vendor ecosystem, our packages, our warehouses, are all, they're all the MSMEs and SMEs of, yes. and this is the backbone of, of, of the Indian economy, right? Absolutely. But to see how they operate, to see how cash efficient they are, to see how capital deployment for them works so differently from the way it works for, let's say, venture-funded businesses yes. or brands. Yes. Yes. Um, and, you know, they've been at it for 15, 20, 25 years. You know, there's a lot of CAPEX sometimes. There's just a lot of machinery. Sometimes they get buried under debt for a certain period of time. Sometimes they've exchanged uh, risk exposure. And you just feel here, yeah, there is there's so much that entrepreneurs who are smaller scale. And because they're smaller scale, the wiggle room is much lower. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So servicing them. Like in retrospect, obviously feels ki, ha, this is obviously the large space, yeah. but I can imagine it being difficult to execute in the initial days before you kind of got critic escape velocity to make it happen.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, what have you learned about yourself as an entrepreneur? Like from being a McKinsey partner
3: mm.
0: where things are, I think processes are so well defined at the firm, you know, your expectations are well defined, your path to the next thing is well defined. It's like just so much process, but here you're creating it. Um, uh, What is the one thing that you've learned about yourself over the last seven, eight, nine years that you didn't know before? Like, what is it? Like, Auteparashi was a mirror, right? So, what what has it shown you that surprised you?
1: So, one is the domain itself. when I got into McKinsey, I was like, uh, (laughs) I don't think I'll ever ever do financial services. Okay. Within the first one and a half, two years, I was doing financial services and I loved it. And I think that was the sole reason I was in McKinley for that long. It's lovely people, great, uh, I would say, uh, nature of work and so on. Uh, I think when we started off business, we started as a B2B platform. And then we said that we'll set up our own NBSC, OXISO, right? And which is now expanding into uh, other financial services uh, areas. I just love it. And I think from, from a point of saying that uh, you know, you don't know you have some the preconceived notions about a space to saying that you love the space, which has actually, you know, made you stay so long with an institution, and then being part of, you know, building one. I just love it. I I think the core of when people used to say in McKinsey that you should uh, find your passion, and that actually takes you a very long way. I think that is for me the biggest thing. Though I. Understood it at McKinsey, but just living it, I think this this is it. I mean, for yeah. me to realize, and I, because when you were a kid, and this, and this, like talking about decades back, right? You like think about it as saying that at that time it used to be engineering and <laughs> medical, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, it's that going to science? Then you will have all options which are open to <laughs> Great. And then you take, you pick up science. Engineering you no, can kar sakte, or then commerce also is open and this is also great. Let's do that, right? You can know, up to aap MSP kar sakte ho, right? It's always about choosing an option which gives you a lot of options. Correct. And suddenly from diverging, you actually converge to something that you actually like yeah. doing day in, day out. It is something that uh, you never knew that this is what it is, and and it's not serendipity. Obviously, there's a path to it. Correct. But we um, feel good about it.
0: I but do yeah, you know financial services used to scare me also. Like not yeah. only because of the complexity of the problems, but also like longer working hours. The people are a lot more intense. Mm-hmm. You generally, who meet bankers and mm-hmm. you know people in the industry today. Yeah. They're intense human beings, right? Yeah. And that There's just a lot at stake. I think financial services. There's just a lot at stake. Yeah. Uh, have you found mentors for yourself? Yeah, given that you are kind of redefining the industry in a lot of ways, yeah. you are building a business in the space. Do you have people outside uh, of business, of course, within, but
1: yeah. outside to kind of coach you on on how to think about industry building? Coaching more than the coaching, it's the fact that you should, you know, you co- you connected to the field, you um you keep talking you keep um, you know exchanging ideas. Mentorship is more in terms of saying that how can you derive energy from people around you. So for me, it's more about the people that you get to work with. But at the same time, yes, there's always this network. Financial services is a very small world. Yeah. That. Now that you mentioned uh, when you were saying that you always care about it. Um, the most interesting thing about FS which I learned over time is the fact that the simplest of things can be actually said in the most complex way.
0: Yeah, I agree, right? So,
1: <laughs> financial services or uh, finance and accounts is you need money, you get money, you give money. <laughs> you get money at a particular amount, you give money at a particular rate. It's as simple as that. It's as mathematical, it's as you need money for your business. This, I mean, it's cash flow, right? If you look at your moms, they're the best cash flow managers at home, right? And coming from a middle class background, you will know. Ki, Nobody manages cash flow better than women as well. Right. Right? I've met a lot of women who are like, okay, we're a little scared of numbers and all that. It's it's basic. Yeah. But it's a sphere that you have, right? And, and going back to financial services, it's the uh, it's a lingo Yeah. Right? It's, a lingo. It.
0: it's such and a it Wall is... Street thing, no? Like you just create terms like because you want, you want. I, I mean, you
1: that, want to feel good
0: about yourself. No, <laughs> yeah, one is that. I also think there is intellectual arbitrage so that you can sell something which sounds complex to a customer who would ask five
2: questions. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: didn't
1: You can call it and make it acro- 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 acronymize it and so on. No, no. but, so, but yeah. So, but I think being in it, what works best for us is that we try to, at least in all our interactions with our customers, just simplify it as much as possible many of the people who've actually been with us it's not that they had a lot of prior FS experiences so it's a combination of team of young talented people along with people who are more experienced so that we can at least keep our lingo internally and with our customers very nice and you know just not complicate the hell out of the terms and conditions so I think that's been a cornerstone for what we do and yeah it can be simplified
0: yeah no absolutely but do do you have do you have people you look up to in the industry?
1: Yeah, a lot of them. Right? It is a space where you will find a lot of people you can actually look up to what they've built, and it's at the end of the day one of the oldest professions. Right? Yeah. And so from that perspective, uh, there is a lot to learn from people who've already built it.
0: Right? Amazing. Um, what you talk about the sinusoidal waves of uh, of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Uh, talk. We spoke about humbling, but talk a little bit about. The, the, the troughs of of the last and I don't think there have been many but I'm sure there have been many which have been private. Yeah. Right? Uh, but talk through how like what they were or, or it's it, like make it inst- like instantify that for us in terms of how do you convert that into um, something that goes up.
1: I, I think more important individually
0: more than institutionally.
1: More than institutional individually also uh, I think you don't need to think of it as it's my problem alone. You can't make it a full institution's problem because institution is your responsibility, right? It it has to be a collective problem
2: always,
1: right? And, and that's why whenever someone says, okay, I'm trying to set up something, first thing is saying that, okay, who are the couple of people who will come along with you? Because it's never an individual journey. It has to be people that you can actually trust. So it's a collective thing. So it's never a... Secret for us that only I will really know, or only one person. We will make it a collective problem. I think this is something that I've I've learned more from Ashish than my own learn. Right? It is a collective problem for a set of people, right? and when you make it as a collective problem, it suddenly what happens is you can split responsibilities. Some something. It's like it feels that it can be managed. Mm. Right? Otherwise, your own devils internally. There will be this uh, angel and there will be a devil standing yeah. here and keep speaking to you, right? So rather than an angel and a devil standing and speaking to you, it is always better that you have a live person Yeah. than an o- own version of AI speaking to you. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> a live person to speak, to share, to split. Sometimes you just need someone to just hear you out. That's uh, true. Right. Why is this happening? Why okay. is so, so, from that perspective, I think the first thing is just make it as a collective problem. Like what we were talking about in terms of fundraising, right? Uh, there were times and I Would think- Would all you do it
0: together fundraising or like Everybody this? has
1: different responsibilities, right? For example, then we- And these are at different stages, right? Early stages, lot many more different types of responsibilities. Let's say there's a different responsibility in terms of talking to the investor, to the fact that diligence, well, it becomes a collective effort, right? Correct. Because everybody has their own area. Then it becomes more collective that is. And uh, from a perspective of saying that, I mean, just you said, just give an instance or something. When we were going through the phase of saying that, okay, this is what it is. And there would be tough times in terms of raising money. Then you say, okay, how do we conserve cash? There would be times wherein even if you have cash, how do you have the right metrics during phases like COVID, INFS, and all those And 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 at that moment, you won't believe it. Like that we had COVID period because we were in lending as a business. And I think that's one of the places where a lot of stress was yeah. expected, right? But I think the the ecosystem was very resilient than to what happened in other, other countries as well. They were like, okay. We are creating some things we call like small groups. And all of them had different responsibilities. How do we release cash from here? What do we do? This, this is and more like twenty-five people involved. It was not one person's or five people's problem. Suddenly it became an organization. and it gave us so much meaning. Yeah. It gave us all a collective goal. And I think many of the times whenever we have been as an organization or a set of people at at, at the lowest point, suddenly it has united us even more. Wow. Right. So I, I won't say like 100% of the time, but if I reflect back at any kind of issues that are coming to my mind now that you asked me that question, then it just became a collective problem. And uh, with all the, you could say, self-doubt goes out of the window because now you you have a goal, which defines what you need to do for this year, or this this period, or 10 days, or 20 days.
0: That's, that's, that's interesting how you it's interesting how you how you make issues uh, seem smaller when you make them collective because that's again it's very counterintuitive okay. because if it's everybody's problem it's nobody's problem yeah that's also what people say right because yeah. account accountability shared is accountability lost
1: yeah but then the, the, it's it's not that that you're just sharing it but you're also defining a plan what everybody needs to do that is one thing right uh, I, I personally am a little bit more private as a person. So I'm also like, okay, this is problem and do we need to even share? But I think collectively when it comes to, and that's why I said this is something that I picked up from Ashish a lot more, saying that, no, this is something we discuss it, we split, we work through and then this is how we move forward. And I think that has been very powerful. And going back to your only question, if I have to say what, what I've learned around this. So these are things that I have picked up in the journey in terms of saying that this could be an alternate way of, Uh, going through
0: the Is it harder to be vulnerable about your problems or about issues that you or maybe your uh, organization is facing as you scale and as the stakes become higher and higher is vulnerability become something that comes at a premium because that's easier when you're smaller Yeah It's not that easy when you're large and then when you can't share then you But there's
1: always a set of a set of uh, people whom you can share that you can I think so. Yes, there's always that worry that how will people interpret it, right? Because there is only this much that you can say that and people will say, okay. But if people are used to the fact that whenever there will be a question uh, and you say that uh, if you have to sail through and you have to build this huge boat, it can only be built whenever you know? Yeah. Maybe there'll be 5% of them, 10% of them who will not be in the common cause. But then maybe they'll, they'll stay at the sidelines to watch what the next net- remaining 90% are doing, or maybe remaining 80% are doing. And if those 80% can actually build that Noah's Ark, then all of us win through, right?
0: It's incredible how you think about institutional building. Every time you speak about your business, you think about it institutionally. And I think it's just phenomenal, whether it's, you know, the way you think about wealth creation for your people, to how you think about collective problem solving, to how you think about company first, and by the way, it's amazing how consistent you are, not only in time, but also in people. So every time I meet someone at off-business or oxygen it's, do you guys do a lot of internal communication of this nature? Do you have a lot of town halls, emails? I see Ashish is fairly active on LinkedIn. Like does, does this, like is there a lot of communication of the same message over and over again, which kind of leads to this institution building habit or is it just something that naturally you just collected people that uh, that resonated and it just happened? It's not easy to do this. Like this, no, it
1: so It's like... not that. It's it's not that day one. That's why I said it was not that the logo company first was defined on day one, right? It was something that emerged with the set of people. Means it, it the organization threw it out that this is what we are, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and I'm thankful too because for us. Uh, as I was saying, the, the real sense of energy, and I'm like so thankful to everybody that I personally work with, that they, they give us space to participate in what they are doing, right? So I think it's the, the set of people and the culture which gets built over time. It's not a thing about saying that, okay, uh, there is a constant coming, because you can't define it. It is yeah. a very forced, right? And, uh, uh and because we've been part of institutions which have, yeah. you know, it's it's something which is unsaid.
0: That's yeah. Very so many counterintuitive things. Because like I remember when Nasir yeah. told me about the values at Bombay Company he said um, uh, he quoted George Bernard Chawari, said He uh, said uh, something about the fact that um, there is no amount of communication that is basically enough. Mm-hmm. That you have. Like the biggest illusion of uh what was it, say I think the biggest illusion of communication uh is the fact that it has happened. So to keep doing it, you have to keep doing it because it's it's never it's so never we difficult. do
1: and I think we have we have this where where some of us actually do what we say, uh monthly calls wherein we tell about the company's performance. We don't hide anything, right? It's left to interpret up. It's not that I want you to think in a particular way. That's why I'm telling you in a particular way because yeah. I think people are very smart. Yeah. Right? I mean, all your employees, whatever you might think, the more you try to hide, yeah. you know, behind a veil you want to you don't want to uh, people will assume. Too, thing, yeah. Right. So it's it's like this is where we are. This month we did badly. This month we did great. These were the people who did great. This was the people who not didn't did that great. Then it becomes, okay. This is what it is, right? It's it's not that there are great strategic decisions being made in one corner office. This. this is what it is, right? Wow,
0: incredible, incredible. Uh, Where do you see this institution going? I I know that you guys are believers in institutions beyond, yeah, uh, beyond you guys, and yeah. in terms of not only people and but also in terms of times so of institutions that outlast you guys Absolutely. but what do you think uh, of business and oxygen going to be over the next 10, 20, 30 years like do you have something in mind?
1: So we can put it in numbers and obviously there are some immediate next steps over some time and then there will be different milestones at different points in time but I think it's more about saying that how do we ensure that from you know you get to a full service for institutions or for enterprises in India, whether it's a very micro enterprise, to a small enterprise, to a medium enterprise, mid-sized enterprise, or maybe at some point corporates as well, that they need a B2B backbone. They will need a lot of raw material to spread it to different services, to technology solutions. And how do you become that backbone, which is not just giving the materials, actually producing their own material and giving it to them to actually providing credit for their needs to actually doing this. So I think the idea is that how do you keep enhancing and keep building that backbone for businesses in India? And we can put numbers to it. We can and say, okay, there is there, there, there is this entire question about going IPO. But it, it, those are only intermittent steps. I think what's very important from a vision perspective is saying that how do we become that backbone, which defines you know anything to do with business you will have someone to service it right
0: that's amazing that's actually amazing are you you guys are you you guys IPO uh like I romanticize IPOs a lot yeah I just feel like it's it's a huge milestone I think yeah you've had three or four in the venture funded world yeah. Uh, and I think it'll, it'll mature over a period of time, especially if companies like yours yeah. do go public. I think the fact that people in this room can go and buy a share yeah, it, itself is a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. But is it something that's well, a lot of people, a lot of founders have a very different point of view that IPO is coming with a lot of pain yeah. and compliance and keeping it private is the best way to grow.
1: Yeah, but, So I think uh, more than a milestone, uh, and um, sometimes I'm very, very scared that. Uh, uh, and I've seen this in the last seven and a half year journey, is that people end up doing what they're being asked, what the external world is asking yeah. them, right? So if if uh, if your investor is saying, okay, what's your gross margin, gross margin, gross margin, what's your growth growth, growth, you're chasing that. Suddenly, some externally, everybody, but suddenly this wave of last one year has come, Profitability, profitability pad, <laughs> pad, pad, everybody is doing that, right? And suddenly in the next year or next to next year, we'll hear um uh, you know, cash no. flow positive, cash flow positive, we business generating cash, forget profitability is business generating cash, right? So suddenly again there will be this wave of D2C, oh, there's cash generating, okay. cash flow positive, right? So I think if you try to build the business and the milestones completely, I'm yeah. saying it's important to Understand what where the world is, where the world economy is, and all those things as an input into what you're doing. But if you define how you want to build a business and run a business basis, someone who has not even built and run a business, yeah, then it's not right. 100%. Right? If, if a journalist has to tell you, or if someone sitting in a, we, <laughs> we said mentors, right? You have to look at their journey, seeing the what did it take to build the business, right? And there are different stages to building that business. And hence, IPO is not a milestone in my mind. It is saying that, okay, at certain stage, there was a different pool of capital that you were actually, you know, dipping into, which was venture. At the next stage, there is a different pool of capital, which will be maybe a peak. Yeah. And a different stage, there is, retail institution money that you will need to grow your business, right? So the right time to do an IPO is saying that when can you do justice to each of these pools? When you are in a growth trajectory you can do justice to venture capital money that's the time to raise venture. When you are in a and then it's not just equity money but debt also. I am a very strong proponent of the businesses should be built in the mix of equity, debt and different kind of instruments because everything comes with their own benefit. Equity comes with one benefit debt comes with the benefit in terms of saying that it just makes you a lot more disciplined about what you're building, right? That has seen various cycles. It can support you through different cycles. Similarly, when you get into public markets, more than a milestone, it's a responsibility. So you have to say when you are ready for that responsibility, right? Because when you commit, this is my number, you have to meet that number because uh, it is a retail guy's money which is going into that business, right? It it is. Many people's money, and hence you have to have that maturity, and that for me is a mark of a different trajectory in the business. So, hence more than a milestone, saying readiness for it, readiness for uh, the great power comes great responsibility. as okay. said by, <laughs> sorry, but the, I think uh, I think it is very powerful to be in the public markets, and it feels great uh, as an individual as an entrepreneur that your company stock is getting great, people are buying a bit of it. Yeah. But at the same time, they should make money out of it. Yeah, for
0: sure. And like for example, with us, Colgate mm-hmm. is one of our investors. One of the very few companies that did not leave mm-hmm. India in 1989, 1990, right? Stayed back. And like people have made their net worths by yeah. public investing in Colgate stock from the early 90s. Um. So for me, like, I just feel like amazing. Of course, yeah. the Reliance story is well documented and so on, yeah. but Uh, Absolutely.
1: People who were part of Reliance journey, like in their houses, got married, this is the money that they made through that. What a great thing. What a great feeling to create an enterprise that, you know, can fulfill someone's aspiration and dream. Nothing more powerful.
0: Just because they gave you money. And it's amazing, right? It's It's actually amazing. Because you feel like like a thousand like thousands and millions of people are now part of of, your of that journey. Yeah. I hope that by 20, 40, 2050, yeah, that this wave of like the 20, 2050, the 2021, 20, 2022, like when a lot of companies were founded in sports in India, right? Yeah. A lot of them start going public by 25, 2030. 20, 20, yeah. And then those public journeys become Absolutely. wealth creation journeys for retail investors by 2050 because. I'm hoping our lifetimes are long enough to see <laughs> to see that happen. But yeah. I I do feel, for example, uh, we have the opportunity for that to happen. Absolutely. Amazing. Uh, you know, before we open open it up, uh, Ruchi to 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 the audience, uh, we do have you know viewers who come in, and especially people who watch you, and uh, we haven't spoken about, uh, and I never enter a conversation with a view to making it gendered in a way or yeah. whatever, right? Uh, and it oftentimes, for example, Vinita, we had, we had an explicit chat. Yeah. Shantanu, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not a woman entrepreneur. Yeah. And I like, I completely agree with you. And we both went into the discussion wanting to not touch much, that. It became 90% of our content. It was very important, right? But this one has not become uh, like that. But there are women who are watching you. Yeah. There are young founders who are watching you. There are school kids who are watching you. Uh, there are this two days back, I met and I have like no bachelor who told me my mother is addicted to your podcast. So yeah. I said cool. So there are there are people across the board yeah. uh, who are watching. Uh, people who I think the aspiration for them is kind of constant and significant, right? But any words of encouragement, uh, caution, wisdom uh, from your experience to anyone watching who may be on the fence when it comes to either starting up or joining the a startup ecosystem or being a part of it as an investor, or whatever. So just would be would be great to kind of get. You know. Some closing thoughts before we open it up.
1: Yeah. So um I think uh because you touched upon the gender pitch, yeah. right? Uh I, I would say that uh, uh there was a time, right? The when when we when we got into college as well, and I did, like IIT, like hardly thirty of us in a batch of like hundreds. Which right? I did you to go to? Delhi. Delhi. and then but if you look at it now, where there's different field, right? That it, it is a journey. Everything is a journey, right? And and I think uh, we will see lot many more women in different stages of uh, achievement. Uh, and I think an entrepreneurship as a journey is gender agnostic.
0: Right? You think so?
1: Yes, I think so, right? Uh, because if you have that as a bias in your mind, then you're killing your chances to achieve it right? and my role here is to say that any bias that I can get out of a person's head which can actually help them take the plunge then I think it would be a successful discussion right wow right so I think do not like many a times when we are in a discussion uh, and we are you know even things like you are discussing with your investor many times we actually negotiate with ourselves yeah before even getting into the negotiation table, right? Even with a client. Yeah. So we've already killed half our chances by negotiating with ourselves, right? And this is one negotiation that I would suggest that you don't have with yourself. And that is about saying, would my gender actually stop me from doing what I want to do? So I would say that that bias one has to let go because it will have it'll not give you anything positive. It it only has a downside, so I think about something which is going to have a downside. And as anybody embarks on an entrepreneurial journey, I think it's important to just you know think of it very clearly. Right, these are my strengths, Uh, and play to your strengths. Do it as per play to your strengths, and never think that never ever is anyone a complete person. Yeah, there there is nothing called perfection, right. I cannot be, I as a person, I like I admit it, I cannot be a perfect mom with a perfect wife, with a perfect, you know, business person or a perfect professional. It's very difficult, right? And you juggle multiple balls, you something will fall. You should be okay with it. Right? You cannot aspire to be, okay, I am doing everything is best right? Because the more you stress yourself with that, the more you try to actually you know, just be perfectionist at everything. You lose the charm
0: of doing it. You should wake
1: up, right? But you right? to look. What, what am I? It's like, you should be okay with your shortcomings. You should be okay with saying that I am... Well, I, I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like, It, It cannot be. It's
0: it accepting yourself. For yeah,
1: it's, right. I, I mean, I can sit here and say that, okay, maybe I'm not able to spend enough time with my kid. It's like, okay, what can I do? Okay, maybe I, I'm like, I'm just What in whatever I have, I can do it. Can I be honest with my work? Can I be honest at whatever time I'm getting to do something? Can I just being honest at whatever you're doing in that space is? I think it's okay. Okay. It's okay to you know not be that super woman, super man, (laughs) and everything, and a perfect husband and a perfect everything. Right? It's fine. Everybody has their shortcomings, and as an entrepreneur, you should know. You will not, you will re- not realize, but you will have many blind spots. You will be eccentric, right? <laughs> you will need people around you to cushion, yeah. right? You will need those people, whether it's at home, whether it's at office, right? I'll have my shortcoming. I'm okay with it. I'm not perfect. Nobody I mean, can I mean, be.
0: Has it been a journey for you to like reach a point where you accept yourself who so no, you are? No, I think it's a journey like for
1: this. everybody. I mean, just you know, sometimes you, you are in that journey when you use the word success right you're always aspiring for great marks, you're always aspiring to be you know you always told that ninety you should get into this great institutions and and great job and you know, your salary and everything right But the fact is sometimes it's okay yeah. to be not perfect at everything mm-hmm. because then that breaks you.
0: Yeah. Awesome. All right. Uh, we will open it up. Thank you so much. uh, You've said so many things that actually break a lot of barriers in my head, but yes, Joe and we can just pass the mic around. Yes.
4: first of all, thanks for the really engaging conversation both of you. Uh, so coming from a consulting background, I actually felt that, uh, you go in a zone of you you get away from execution after a point of time. Although not work directly in FS, but with FS and uh, even private equity, I feel you get away from execution and a lot more towards advisory or gyan. I would say yeah. to some extent, and it, it, it's a very common joke too. So uh,
1: I, it, the common joke is you. I'll I'll look at your wrong watch and tell you what the time <laughs> I it It's a common joke, but yeah,
4: yeah. So uh, my question is that. Uh, how do you, when you get to that entrepreneurship journey after McKinsey or whatever consulting, uh, how do you make that shift from saying, okay, what I've done in the past few years, which has really been hardcore into my, into me, uh, which is more about gyan and which is more about, you know, just advisory yeah. and shifting towards execution. Yeah. So, like, the question is that basically... Uh, you know, the pros are there of working consulting that, you know, you have such a great network that you guys are talking today and things like that And you really know a lot of people in the industry, but are there some outright cons and what are, what is it that it is that a lot of entrepreneurs are coming from consulting backgrounds?
1: Okay. Yeah. So uh my view is that um, first of all, consulting is a great career option, right? Why? Because, in a very short span of time, you do get to see various businesses. Right? And, right? Uh, if the fact is, you should have been able to analyze something. If, I'm, if you're sitting in front of the, uh, the board or the top management and saying, this is what you should do, that has a basis. Right? And I think consulting is a very phenomenal career which actually pushes you to analyze things better. And that analytical ability uh, is very useful in, in business. Uh, I'm an engineer, a chemical engineer. I'm a chemical use right? But still, you 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 are in a space wherein people around you are so driven that it pushes you to think, what more can you do? So uh, what you should do, what you should not do. Everything, whether it's job or whether it's your uh, your education is a learning process. And consulting is great to actually see what your boundaries are and push those boundaries. How do you actually synthesize things? How do you segregate that this is important? How do you prioritize things? So there are a lot of great, uh, I would say, skill sets that you pick. The biggest thing is how do you apply it? It's not a shift to say that, okay, I'm doing this, but how do you apply it in daily life? How do you still get people to look up to you?
4: So, was there a friction? Uh, Friction from? Friction from consulting, wherein you're giving, um, wherein you're on the other side, wherein you're just saying that you can do this, 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 wherein Mm -hmm. now you're on the other side, where you actually have to do it.
1: No, actually, consulting has changed a lot. There is a lot of implementation, there's a lot of execution, there are a lot of things tied down to outcomes. Uh, I, I have seen a lot of that at McKinsey in my life. So, uh, And when I said that I love FS because of my experience at McKinsey as well, because there was a lot to do with execution.
0: I think a lot of the projects I did at McKinsey were like
1: Completely in, in fully
0: with the clients. Like we were actually be doing the work. You're right. We don't have the accountability for outcomes as much at the junior level, but at, as you get to partner, a lot of your fees are linked to outcomes. A lot of times, you are at the client side for two years, three years. After the strategy is given to kind of help the clients along the way, um, you help them recruit. I think the gamut of problem solving, people management, relationships, uh, execution of strategy, etc. is covered. Um, I I do feel that, uh, at least personally, the time that it takes to execute uh, is something that, at least my judgment on is still kind of getting developed. It takes some time to kind of understand that. Yeah. But other than that, I think consulting is a fantastic. It's just because of the breadth and oh, the fair. shape of experience over a period of time. It's a fantastic yeah. it's a fantastic branding out for entrepreneurs because the skill sets are very applicable.
1: Yeah. And awesome. without without actually, you know, you join a college to learn. Yeah. And you're getting paid to also learn. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I think we should be
0: It's a great finishing school absolutely. <laughs> Yes, thank you.
1: Thanks, Ruchi and Shantuni for an insightful discussion. And we learned a lot today. Uh, I have two questions to ask Ruchi. So, yeah. Ruchi, when you were talking about it's okay not to be okay. So, as an entrepreneur, we make daily certain decisions and not every decision is right. Mm-hmm. So, how do we... And then when we sleep at night, sometimes it's difficult. So, how you can guide budding entrepreneurs like us that how we should be able to counsel ourselves that and second being a woman as you know that women treat their business also as babies so how to balance your business as a baby because as it grows the priority is there and then you have a family and children especially growing children they also need attention so how do you balance between your two babies Thank you. Thank, thank, thank
0: you for that
1: Okay, so this uh, uh, your first question was uh, sorry. The first question was around uh, it's it, okay not to not, not okay, it's okay anyway. not to be perfect, right? Yeah, it's okay not to be perfect. Uh, so what I said earlier is that there is nobody else who will come and fix your decisions the very next day. The only thing, at least that works for me is a good night's sleep. Yeah. Uh, That's that's my most priced, you could say, (laughs) possession. Or uh, I I would say thank I would thank God for at least giving me a good night's sleep because that also becomes my indicator to say that am I doing the right thing to get a good night's sleep. And that also becomes my benchmark for saying that am I doing what I should be doing. So am I am I if I have had a very hectic day at work and I get good sleep, that means I'm doing the right thing. If I am not sleeping and say, oh shit, I which will be, that, that, that means I'm on the right path for me. So hence my indicator is more like a good night's sleep. Uh, means that even if we do something wrong, we wake up in the morning, get back to office and fix it. And there is nobody can do 100% correct things. But what we have as an ability is if you've done something wrong to someone, go and say sorry. But you have to get up and you have say sorry. Right? So, so, so I think uh, there's nobody else who will come and do it. And it, it also ties up with your second question that as a woman, you need to balance a lot of. I think it's not just as a woman you need to balance a lot of things. What you need to appreciate, which I, I I do now after this journey, is the fact that there are other people also around you who are balancing things. As much as you need to, your spouse is balancing so that you can actually take care of your career. Your kid is balancing as well because you're not able to spend that much time with your kid, right? Your parents are balancing. My parents are balancing. Why? Because I'm not there, then they will make sure that they are there for my So they're also balanced. Right? Once, uh, once we can shift our mind frame to see that who all are ready to balance along with me. It's like a dance, right? If you can go and you want to keep a group together, right? Who will come along with me to actually do this dance? And second is if they've come along with me, can I appreciate the fact that they're balancing for me? I think both these skills become very important. So hence, having the right uh, ecosystem, help in terms of some full-time help, or I mean, just whatever is your infrastructure you want to build. So first, they're saying that I am acknowledging the fact that I will not be able to do it alone. I need others to balance along with me. Having that conversation or having those set of people who can balance along with you. And second, second is acknowledging that they are balancing along with you. A, a great example is your own kids. You think that they need you 100% of the time, but if you feel that they can come along and balance with you, then suddenly you set yourself free and you set them free, right? Uh, you're not saying, are you? "Not "Not clingy. "Am I doing something? Like then you are not. Either giving the opportunity for your kid to balance, or appreciating that your kid is balanced. That that's what uh, I, I believe.
4: Uh, firstly, thank you so much for the session. Thoroughly really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I'm currently a student, also doing chemical engineering. Uh, recently ventured into something of my own. Yeah. But I I come from a family business background. Uh the, the question is predominantly my father and I usually have conversations more about. What is more important, marketing or product? <laughs> what's more important? Uh, do you burn money when you uh, when you start out? Do you? Yeah. And questions are also around when do you raise or yeah. how do you raise? So the broader question is, what's the difference between a traditional business and a startup, and how do you govern those conversations, especially with the ones you're closest to, family? Is your dad in the audience? No. Oh. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. So I. I think this is a topic in itself and maybe we should have a separate <laughs> power here. Uh So there's no right answer. Right? And now I can go back to my consulting days and say, it depends. <laughs> <The brand>. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, uh, and there's nothing as a startup or a business. A business is a business. Traditional business. Start, it's, it's, it's just that it's a fancy word starting up. Right? You're starting up. You are an entrepreneur, to it, Right? Now, but it's, India is a land of entrepreneur, right? Uh, you will find, why is microfinance so popular in India? Because it's the individual lady in the house taking a five, ten thousand 10,000 loan, actually is setting up an enterprise. Right? So um, first of all, business is business. And simple rules of business is the capital that you put in. You should get a return out of it, right? If not today, then in future, right? And the capital that you're putting in today, which will give you returns in future, is called asset that you're building. And that asset can have various forms. What are the different forms of the asset? You set up a factory with your dad. You put five crores into it. That's also an expense. You had to get that five crores to put into it. Yeah. But you do not recognize it as an expense. You called it an asset. Similarly, you want to build a D2C business. What's your asset? Your brand is your asset. To build that asset, you will need to do marketing expense. It's just a different type of expense that you but it is an asset that you build, that brand that you build, and hence you have to put that five crores to build that brand. So the way to think about any business is saying that, okay, is it a business where I need to build for the asset? If that asset has to be built, what's the money required to build that asset? Do I have enough of that from my own pocket that I can put in? Or I need to work with someone to actually put in that. What is to be very clear is that that asset, our plant, lagaoge first day, right? It will not give you the returns. But it will give you the returns at some point in time. The expense that you do in building a brand will not give you the return today, but it will give you the return tomorrow. So everything is about return of every penny that you put in the business, whether today or tomorrow. So I think if you apply that rule, most probably you'll have interesting conversations with your dad, and get him to invest in whatever you're doing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, it's a very interesting question she's absolutely right i think the way to look at an asset is through value or through yield okay and they're two different things real estate for example is a high value low yield asset Residential of real estate you buy a house you won't get a lot of rental yield on it but when you want to sell the house again you it like the price would appreciate it you make a return on it not from the rental yield but from the sale of the house now the asset should be in a market where there will be demand in the future right similar, to, similar needs some business she said i no startup or you know traditional business a business a business you'll get yield through share of profits via dividend as you say if i want to put thousand rupees for a share if i get five rupees of dividend every year i want to need 200 years but if the thousand rupees share gets sold for three thousand rupees in five words and there's a market for that then the asset makes sense the question is how do you allocate capital as a management and as an investor both? that's the only way you will define a successful business and most people don't understand yield versus appreciation of asset value. And distinction is, that distinction is important to actually understand. stand obviously rely a lot more on asset, on the valuation as opposed to yield But hopefully, when you reach off business game, for example, now they might probably be a dividend business, where that starts making a lot more sense and share of the asset itself is is secondary. So it's, it depends a lot. Thank you. Awesome, just pass the mic to yeah. go for it go for
2: it go for it Good. sorry uh hi ruchika my name is sibi apologies i'll remain seated so others can see you uh my question is related to b2b and b2c field yeah b2b is altogether very different a lot depends on trust reliability and maybe the credibility factor for people to continue with it one brought people to off business in the initial stage the marketing strategy b 2 C's, we can say, oh, you know, run ads. Instead, if FBI don't do something, you know, you can still get people on the yeah. page. Unlike B2B, what really brought people to you, your business, and what made them sustain, you know, throughout our business tenure? Are you talking about customers? Yes, correct. Okay. So,
1: um, uh, B2B as a business is a lot more sales-driven than marketing-driven. B2C as a business is a lot more marketing-driven than then obviously it translates to sales. And every business uh, has a very different way to approach their customers. For us, we were primarily sales first. And and for us, we were not spending in marketing. What we were doing essentially is saying that, okay, we will develop some tools as well in addition to sales. So sales was always our first, first protocol in terms of how to get customers in. And, and second is saying that, okay, how do we build some smarter ways in which the customer is coming for something else, but ends up leaving information so that my sales becomes more efficient. So we did build um, uh, a tool called BidAssist. Like for example, B2B, a lot of people actually uh, want to apply for tenders. They don't get everything in one place in a very seamless fashion. So we built that tool in parallel. So people come, use that tool, leave their information, and my sales is becoming more efficient because of it. So hence, my customer acquisition cost uh, on a marketing side is not there. But yes, there's a combination of sales plus some of the smarter ways of actually getting the lead funnel in.
2: I'm a sales professional, B2B sales professional, so the question came from there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Was...
0: Thank, you. Thank you so much. See right? Yes.
2: So this is Genial. Thank you for the very insightful uh, conversation. Since you both are from McKinsey, I really have a question that why do businesses really need consultancy? Like, <laughs> like is it that there, isn't it the fundamental flaw that your team isn't good enough that you want an external person to help you? And if they needs, need it, like when, at what stage do they need it? Yeah,
1: yeah. so She's
0: already she's telling second year whether
2: yeah
1: so why do business need businesses need consultant okay so you are most familiar with business consultants because that's what you hear and because we've been in mckinsey but not everything can be done by an institution or a company by themselves right uh like for example uh you need to deploy a tech tool you might get some other consultant for that if you look at uh there are a lot of technology consultants, right? Suppose you want to raise capital. Maybe you can't do it yourself. You will actually go to an investment banker. Who see? Is a consultant because you can get networks. So I think every business has their value in terms of what they deliver as a service, right? Whether it's technology as a service, whether it's business acumen as a service or insights as a service. Why do you need consulting from a business perspective? Because that's your specific question. Is, is the fact that you don't know what you don't know about yourself, yeah. right? If you don't have any external orientation, like for example, but if there is, you not fe- you're feeling feverish, fever has not gone away for three days, and then you're feeling some other symptoms as well, who do you go to? A doctor, right? So it's like a doctor, or it is uh, it's an opportunity for a business to say, okay, I've reached a particular scale. I don't know what I need to do in the next level of scale, but there might be someone who has seen multiple industries or multiple such institutions and can get the best practices for me. And why does that become important? Rather than me putting, say, 100 crores towards a business without knowing whether this is the right thing to do or not, why don't I spend a crore or two to actually figure out what the entire strategy is going to be, and then I put it in fact when you put up a plant also you go to a technical consultant to see whether the drawing is right or not so there is value for experience and there is actually benefit of that experience and nobody will actually pay great dollars as if there is no great outcome of it so if you can spend that one to actually generate 10 or 100 out of
2: it it's worth the while so that's Definitely, but, uh, you know, some some people even hire them uh, or, uh, like, go to consultancy in the very early stages, mm-hmm. like, for really basic, like, their fundamental things, and they ask for consultancy for their product, let's say. Yeah. Like, very initially, like, um, h- how do I make this product, For for example, like, that sure. is the question. So, you are essentially making that brand for that product, and you are asking somebody else that, what should I do, like, isn't... I, I get it like if you are at 100 and you want to go go at 1000 and right. reach 1000 the right. then it is fine that you're asking some people am I doing the right thing or is this thing right or what should I do that that I get but when you're in the very initial stage and then you go for it I don't just understand the no, even I don't understand so I, yeah, I, I should know it not, <laughs> should not happen so I even I can't answer that question yeah yes. thank you so much
3: Thanks, uh, Shantanu and Ruchi for a great chat. Uh, My name is Shiv. Ruchi, my question is, for you, you've done something that most people, the average person would consider very difficult, right? People find it hard enough to build one successful business, you've built two, and as we were talking earlier, you've uh, balanced all these different roles, which also people say is very difficult. In the process of this journey, I'm sure a lot of things that seem hard to us seem easy or normal or very casual for you. Yeah. What is something that still feels difficult for you today? I'd love question. to know that. It's a lovely question.
1: Actually, that question. Nothing. <laughs> <In> the, <laughs> I it's all no, yeah, that. Like he asked what feels <laughs> difficult. I think it's been very difficult to answer questions. From me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, there are a lot of things in terms of you might look at a person and say, okay, maybe it's easy, but every day at work, it has its own challenges, right? It's not a question of saying that, have you become better? The fact is that the institutions that you are a part of, and I'm not saying I built that, or just five, 10, 15, 20, 25 class. It's just that the institutions that you are a part of have their own challenges at each and different level, right? All your challenges would be execution. Some, at some stage, the challenges are HR, at some stage, the challenges are more in terms of saying that, okay, what next, right? Uh, getting from that 100 to 200 or 1,000, right? So I think uh, uh, I, I would be very scared if I become complacent. I would be very scared that I would say that, uh, you know, things are easy. So uh, I would make my own life much more difficult by by doing that. But I think there are challenges each and every uh, stage of whichever organization, however big it is, and that's what keeps you excited as well. So for me, I think I would have the same difficulties in terms of trying to balance everything, and I would have the same challenges in terms of, uh, uh, you know, uh, when when Shantani said self-doubt at stages, because the type of problem changes, right? Uh, and it is uh, it is not monotonous at all because every day you will find two people having a disagreement which is a new challenge every day you will find you know something crashing there will be again a new challenge and that's what keeps you excited as an entrepreneur and i think for our entrepreneur it is not just setting up your own company as an entrepreneur i think uh, life at as a consultant as mckinsey was equally entrepreneurial. it's about how you think about what you're doing each and every person who works at Ops News, et for me, is an entrepreneur. They're trying to build something, right? And and all of them have their own challenges, difficulties, and it is still as difficult as it was seven and a half years back.
3: That gives the rest of us some hope.
1: Yes, Chef. Uh,
3: thank you, Chef.
0: Thank you so much.
3: Uh, hi, Rishi. I'm Ankit. Uh, uh, I am here with my co-founder and wife, Sevza. Hi. Uh, we are from Agra, and uh, uh, we are running a B two B marketplace. Uh, there, it's a B two B platform for footwear industry. Okay, um, and we are uh, our customers are brands, footwear brands. Some big brands are also our customers. So uh, when we approach investors, uh, uh, what we are doing is we are we are making processes simple for the brands. Earlier they are dealing with some traditional manufacturers, and uh, now we are also connecting them with smaller manufacturers by standardizing their processes. So when we talk to various investors, uh, they see that what processes we have implemented, there is not too much of AI, ML, all these things are not there. Okay. We have implemented automated emails are there, automated chatbots are there for our customer. Okay. And and we often get that you have processes, but tech is not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you also faced such problem uh, because your business is also in the very non-traditional uh, kind of Uh, things uh, in our business. Yes. Uh, So what is your take? Like how do we, uh, and and this um, made us to search for some heavy AI ML tech to be integrated into our business. Mm -hmm. We got connected with uh, one of the startups, but we decided that no, because if we get integrate that thing, we buy that thing. It was very costly. Yeah. We will be forced to implement it, whether it would be useful or not. So we decided not to go with that. Um, still, we are trying to like uh, answer the to the investors like by saying that because we are the first ones who are doing these things in the industry, yeah. no one is doing. But still, we find it difficult to convince investors on the tech part.
1: Okay, so I can completely relate to it. <laughs> okay, Uh so please please sit down. So I I think we should definitely connect uh, uh, after the session as well. See, each business is different. Each business is different in terms of uh, when your investor is talking to you, in terms of some of the terms that they would use, they might have seen a a B2C world or a D2C world, which is very different from a B2B. First of all, what is to be very, very strong is not a tech story, but your proposition, right? What is it that you're delivering? What is the economics of what you're delivering? when we were discussing about saying that there have been very difficult phases in terms of raising money as balance well, because we were talking a lot more about the proposition and the economics. Right. And remember one thing, you're building something because you believe in it, not because you have to build something for an investor. You just need one investor, right? And one investor can relate to it. If there's 70 who say, well, oh, you just need one. You don't need the entire world to come and say that you're great. And this is the best, best tech that I've seen. I, I mean, not maybe the right forum to say that, but half the people don't even understand the tech. AI, AI, I mean, say it all, but you don't understand it. You don't understand it. So don't go back to that. You don't know what you want yourself. You know what you want. You know what you're but the the only important thing is the fact that don't chase a valuation. Saying that it's a tech story. Say this is the business. At the end of it, when we discuss, you know, IPO markets and everything, you'll be valued out of some metrics. Be honest to those metrics. Build the tech that is required by your business. There are enough components of tech which is required in a B two B business. For example, your customer made, a, made a customer actually uh you know ordered something can you see it on his app i right? can you see the status can you see the logistics tracking because that's important for him it'll give the desired outcome right similarly it's important to have a seamless erp internally why uh because in b2b world taxation is the most important thing gst is the most important thing right so any taxation changes your erp should be able to adjust to it you need to have a tech to actually manage warehousing very well to care. What is your inventory? How much is going in and out? Not because of anything else, but for your own controls B to B, you cannot make a mistake in terms of saying that you lost the whole shipment, right? So those are important elements of tech. So you should be very sure what elements of tech that you want to build. And this is a story up other. If you put in all your money and you end up using only 40% of the tech that you built, then you're doing disservice to the business you wanted to build. You first build the business in B2B. You always mimic the tech that is needed for your business. Yeah. And then after a stage, you say that, okay, what can I do differently, innovatively, which can actually open up a completely new domain for you. So I think technology for us, for a long time, we even more, we always used to say, in fact, I'll I'll refer to not just the B2B business, but for Oxyzo Financial Services also you always say, we are a tech-enabled company, right? Because we are more efficient in terms of our operating costs. We are more efficient in, or we we keep the customer in mind in terms of what he needs. And then proudly say 90 to 95% of the tech that we have built is something that we use today. That's, that's, that's the benchmark. Yeah?
3: Thank you. Awesome.
0: Last couple of questions, then we'll kind of take it offline as well. Then we'll kind of yeah
4: hi uh thank you so much for your time uh so my question is more on like how do you prioritize uh in terms of work and deci- decisions that you take so it's like on a day-to-day basis how do you uh kind of tell that like, okay this is something that can wait and there's something that's important uh and you want to uh, uh that the, this call needs to be taken now or is like this can be something that can wait be- so my is more on the prioritizing both on the work that you want to do and the decision that you end up taking for that kind of uh, uh the task or whatever is that so is there some situation that you felt that this was tactically something that you did which you felt that was um, uh, that was decision you took on prioritizing in terms of taking uh, a call
1: yeah and so i think uh, if you're in the process wherein so much is happening around you you just don't have the luxury of procrastination. Right? Toh, rather than not taking a decision, you have to be in a state that you have to take a decision and you should be okay with it, 20% of it going wrong. So I think mm-hmm. prioritization that you to take decision an option. Hi nahi hai. Ne- but at the same time, there are a few things which need um, assessment. The important aspect is saying that this needs a little bit of detailed understanding. And hence, uh it should wait or you should actually have someone work on the four or five questions. And then for me, um, while taking decisions, one of the most important things is ask smart questions. You know your experience will tell you what are the things that you should ask. Always ask questions before taking a decision. Right? You should not be in such a hurry that you don't ask those questions you ask me for five questions because the person who you are asking that question will make sure that they have actually done their homework before coming to you because they don't know what they can expect as a question so if someone has already done a lot of work on it it makes decision making easier
0: I, I really like the important origin framework by the way so any decision or anything that I need to do just like figure out how important it is, how urgent it is. Not important, not urgent, that quadrant is the important Important and not urgent is where you spend time and you kind of really make sure that you get the answer right? Uh, not important and urgent delegate. Important and urgent is a quadrant where if there are a lot of things, a lot of the time, then you're doing something gra- grossly wrong. That quadrant should mostly be empty. Sometimes something should come up there. So that quadrant is full a lot. That means there's something wrong with management for you to kind of step back as a to be better. Mostly, it's between the important and not urgent, which you need to spend time on, and not important and urgent, which you need to delegate.
1: My question is actually to both of you. For a minute here, if you were to imagine that you didn't have that McKinsey experience in between, how differently do you think you would have built these brands?
0: How uh, differently in a good way or a <laughs> <know. laughs> <Well, McKinsey> <laughs> like Malay? Or as is, is McKinsey irrelevant to how off business and oxygen is <laughs> built? I can take a stab at that. Yeah, please. I'm a huge I'm a huge believer of the fact that McKinsey was my first job. I don't know, was it your first job? Uh,
1: second job. Second.
0: Yeah. It was my first job. So I joined at 23. I left at 27, 28, started up, right? And, and I've never worked anywhere else. I've only been a consultant at the firm. 28 partners at the firm and six clients invested in Bombay Shaving Company continue to mentor, interview, recruit for us, be on the board, etc. So I can safely say personally, yeah. I, I owe the firm not only for the experience I got there, which was, of course, important, but for the holistic mentorship and investment that they've taken on me financially and otherwise, and continue to do so. Um, of course, I was shaped a lot by how to think and all that. So maybe I wouldn't have built out the companies fundamentally differently from a execution standpoint, but I just think the way we have built out the value system, the way we think about problem solving, the culture of the company, um, our people processes, uh, the language we use is very mckinsey And it is good and bad both, honestly, uh, but that's the only world I knew. So it would have been very different. I would have been extremely different, my access would have been different, my ability to ca- grace capital, would, my confidence would have been very different had I not been on the firm. So for me, it's played a huge role. I don't I know really he's,
1: I think he's covered it all. Uh, see, whether McKinsey or not, I see experience uh, is of a lot of value. I, I don't want to restrict it to just the institutions we have been with, because every institution that you've worked with, um, and uh, and I always say worked with rather than worked for, uh, because that brings along a lot of people that you're connected to. That actually helps to explore your own self. Right. And uh, these days, I-, I see a lot of people who are looking at jobs uh, very in a very short term manner. But the the you know the setting that makes you comfortable to actually explore your potential is the best experience that you can get, irrespective of whether it's McKinsey, whether it's, you know, because you said consulting, say BCG or anybody, right? Wherever you can explore your full potential is the place to be in because that's when you will be successful in your own minds, right? And in that process, you will learn a lot of things. In that process, you will meet a lot of people who will come along with you in your journey. So it's irrespective of the institution that, you know, the quality of the institution, it it matters that what what experiences you get as a consultant or as an institution, but it's about how much you push yourself, how much do you learn about yourself. And that can happen at any great institution which has the right frameworks in place, which has the right value system in place, and which gives you the right opportunities to just keep flexing yourself.
0: last one sorry last question okay last question we will we obviously will, will will socialize here as well yes at the very somewhere at the very end there's someone on writing. Hi, i think this run
3: okay i will take uh, it. Uh, yeah. my question is for you that you mentioned that you know how um, for you and ashish mutual respect works a lot uh, trust factor plays into you know how things have gone well how does conflict Resolution work when it comes to both personally and professionally, and does it like play into each other
4: or like you know, how does that work or function?
1: So conflict resolution after <laughs> resolution. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: conflict has to be resolved, right? I mean it's like I mean, you married? You not Anyways, okay the thing is uh the biggest and it's not about me, Ashish, or anybody—it's like when you come together as a group of founders, right? You have each other. You will have conflicts. You will have disagreements. But then once you take a decision, it's a collective decision. Yeah. And you go out there and execute. You cannot come back and say, "Listen, you took this decision. This went wrong." Like you think of it like this, and this is, you know, the implication on the business. I think. The, the trust factor across all of us in the top team matters because you will always have conflict, you will always have diverse opinion. But then to what the point that, that Shantana also made is the fact the intent is right. If the goal is right, and that's why first thing you have to do as as choosing your partner in business is the fact that whether you have the same value system. Like for us, all our value system is saying that okay, how do we? How are we profit oriented? How are we oriented towards unit economics? How, so those are some of the basic far, parts of what defines us as company first. And how are you know how are we ensuring X, Y, Z? It's very similar to actually when it's like, see, you would be looking for your better half, then you would have common values, saying that okay, maybe I want a person who is career oriented or you want a person who's good to my family whatever those could be two or three of your criteria right and you will try to match that criteria so i think the intent is the most important thing whether personally or professionally. and if there is alignment on that intent then it works out even in conflict because to resolve conflict you always go back to the intent
3: do do you think like because i mean you're involved both personally and professionally it plays into each other do you think you Know decisions or conflicts in one sphere impacts the other and the other way,
1: right? Okay, I think you figured out a way. All right,
0: last question okay. there, I think, on the lady in white. So, I don't remember your name, I know we got introduced.
2: Hi, I'm Deeksha. Hi, okay, it was so delightful to listen to so if you. I think I can listen to you for hours, but uh, my question is so, um I have a content marketing agency, which I started out like I'm 26. And I started when I was 24 by default, it happened. But when you're young and you start out and things become good, like you go from, you know, you literally have nothing and you go from zero to 10 and life becomes good. Then you get into a comfort zone and now like, you know, your parents are happy. You, your friends are happy. You are happy. Everything's good. But that comfort zone is not good for the business because you just stay at 10. So how do you avoid uh, being in that comfort zone for very long? And how do you grow out of it and take your business from 10 to probably 50, 100 and so on? I
1: think that's all about aspiration Mm -hmm. and uh, the vision that you have for the business. And in fact, more than the, uh, why is a founder or a co-founder called so or an entrepreneur called so? I can do and you can't do, or someone else can't All of us are the same. All of us have that skill set to do it, right? What differentiates is the aspiration. And then gathering and you know, galvanizing people towards that aspiration. So if your aspiration, if you are in the comfort zone, your business will be in the comfort zone. If people around you are in the comfort zone, it will be. And it, there is no harm in it, by the way. It's a choice everything is a choice. It's like you said that you are happy. If you already attained nirvana and happiness, then that's great. Station, there's nothing beyond happiness, right? But if you have that aspiration that keeps sticking in your mind that, you know, it should be bigger or it can be better, then you've not really achieved that, right? So it depends upon what makes you more happy. If your business to the next height will make you more happy, you obviously strive for it because that's happiness, right? So pursuit of happiness.
0: I actually, I'm, I'm very envious
1: <laughs> of
0: people you know? in the comfort zone. No, like a comfort zone is great. It's comfort zone by definition. It's an awesome place for me, <laughs> which is right. I think aspiration is everything, but enjoy it. Like, yeah. if you built your your. It's a two-year-old business, from what I understand. You are, you know, you're profitable, you are, you know, doing something at such a young age. Enjoy success. And huh? I just feel like life kind of passes you by when you're impatient. and, and, and. I think they're so <laughs> growth-driven nah, as people. Actually, at some point, like being lesser anthropocentric might be a nicer thing. But yeah. all the No, best.
1: but the country needs it. Oh. So, no, don't, don't, don't We're still like nation. <laughs> we need a lot of entrepreneurs. We need people to put in their heart. Because I think uh, there's still a lot of do. To do for ourselves for our next generation and the generation to follow right so i i think a lot of people say that okay can i retire at 30? 30? I, I mean if you want to retire from you've, you've done everything then give back to the society right because we still have a long way to go as a country i think
2: mm-hmm.
0: So. Mm-hmm. all right um Ruchi, this has been an absolute pleasure of course we'll uh i'm sure you will be uh get uh, mm-hmm. out over, over, over alcohol and food but uh, do we do we have something? Yes, we do have something to give oh,
1: you. Thank you. Um, yes. yes
0: <laughs> but uh, thank you so much,
3: and uh, was an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank Bravo you. So l- 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 thanks, l-
1: thanks. L- thanks a lot. Thank you.